We're in a Bible study of Ephesians, and uh, we are going to go into Ephesians chapter 4, so if you have your Bible, uh, I hope you do, and if you, if you don't, uh, I hope you bring it next week because uh, we're really wanting to dive in, dig in, and uh, I want to point out things to you from the Word in your hand, in your lap, that you can write down. Uh, remember when you were in elementary school, I don't remember if it was first or second grade, they were teaching us to write, and they gave us those big pencils that you could almost like rest on your shoulder? I mean, that kind of dates me, but remember, this? bring your big pencil to church and uh, mark in your Bible so that when you go home and you have it underlined and you, re- you go, oh yeah, I remember this now. Yeah. So I encourage you to do it. Ephesians 4, we're going to look there in a minute. I just want to tell you right off the bat, I love you, L-O-H. I know you do, Roberta. And uh, I know. And uh, thank you for building uh, this group of wonderful, loyal followers of Jesus in our church because you're, you're a gift. I love our church. I love the church. I'm the most blessed guy. I really am. And I'll tell you what, I, the church of Jesus Christ has been a blessing to me through my life. It really has. I believe in the church. I believe in this church, but I believe in the church. You know what? I've never met anybody who, who, who stays truly filled with Jesus, truly filled with Jesus, who doesn't love Jesus' church. You know? And I've never met a truly filled, uh, spirit-filled person. And uh, I think one of the reasons why Paul tells us to continue to be filled with the spirit because we leak. And, I, and, and, but, and I've never really met a, 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 someone that stays truly filled with the Holy Spirit who is constantly criticizing the church of Jesus Christ. I, I, Jesus believes in his church. Um, the Holy Spirit loves the church. Uh, the father loves the church so much that he wanted to birth it. And you know how? He gave the deepest uh, treasure of his heart, his son, uh, to birth the church. Um, so I believe that we should love the church and bless the church and be a blessing in our church. Fr- friend, believe in Jesus, get filled up with the Holy Spirit, and, and stay under the spout where the glory comes out. That's what the old timers used to say. Stay under the spout where the glory comes out. And believe for great things to happen in your life and your family. Believe for great things to happen out there in the live stream world. Believe for the great things to happen in the church and through the church. Through the church, right? Not just to the church, but through the church. Let's keep falling in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Let's keep falling in love with the people that Jesus loves that are sitting right around you, right beside you. And over and over again, look at somebody and say, I love you. And then look at him and say, do you know, how, you know how blessed you are to be sitting next to me? Go ahead and say that to him. All right. Keeping it real. You know how blessed you are to be seated next to me? Yeah. All right. Now pay attention. Get back to business here. Uh, let's keep falling in love with the gospel. Let's keep falling in love with the purpose of the gospel. Let's keep falling in love with the passion of God who gave us the gospel to reach lost people, to reach wayward people, to continue to fill God's people, and let's keep getting on with it, right? Let's just keep getting on with it. You say, Pastor Tim, you seem like you're in a good mood today. Well, I really am. Um, I'm celebrating the, all the birthdays of my grandkids, man. I mean, we're just partying like crazy. We, my kids and I were talking about, you know, let's just keep this party going all the way through 2022. Let's just go from birthdays to Halloween to Thanksgiving to anything between veterans, whatever. Let's keep going all the way through. Let's do Christmas. Let's do New Year's. Let's rock and roll into 2022. What do you think? You want to do that? You can join that with me. Yeah. 
I believe in this church. I believe in you. I believe in the God that's in your life. I believe in the grace of God that's on your life. I believe in the Holy Spirit that's in your life. I believe in the anointing of the Lord that's upon your life. And I believe the gifts of God that he wants to stir up on the inside of you are alive in you. And I see you as rich people, rich in the blessings of God. I see you as people who are living in the honey. That God's good to us. Has God been good to LOH Church? Last time I checked, yeah, last time. Thank you, Lord. Thank the Lord for his kindness toward us. Thank the Lord that he's given us, that he's given us his, his word and given us his spirit and given us some fine folks that are sitting around one another today. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and I'll see you next week. So anyway, no. Yeah. I want, by the grace of God, to lead you through the book of Ephesians and then back into Luke as the Lord sees fit. I just read uh, last night that the reformist John Calvin considered Ephesians his favorite letter, and he loved it so much that he went on to preach a series of 48 sermons from May 1558 to March 1559, and boy, did I get tempted when I read that. <laughs> One of my favorite scholars, the late F.F. Bruce, considered Ephesians the quintessence. There's a word you can use today when you're out and about. When you look over your menu, you go, you know, as I look over the quintessence of this menu that you provide here at this restaurant, I'm just... He said that the reason he loved it so much because the book of Ephesians sums up the leading themes of all of Paul's letters and, and it covers the central motive of his ministry. Ministry. We've been talking that everybody is called... And everybody is given a ministry in the church. There's not just special called, there's special guidance within the call of all. All y'all are called, I'm called, you're called, and we are all called into the ministry. Which means we need to break the concreted mindset that the church over the last 100 years, regardless of its denominational emphasis, regardless of, 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 of who, what, or where, we all have been concreted over the last century into, and we won't want to admit this because it's kind of like, ugh, but it's true, uh, a speaker and audience go to a place on a certain day and pour all the energy into that gathering and then come back next week. But what we find in the book of Ephesians is the metaphor audience is not one of the seven. Audience isn't in there. Um, there isn't anything wrong with an audience. I'd rather preach to an audience than preach to a tree. Um, but there, there's, there's something beyond this. In the, in the book of Ephesians, we find that the Lord wants to create faith in the unbeliever. He wants to light the, the new believer. He wants to bring spirit fullness into the church. But even more than that, spiritual formation through the church, an expression of God. And the way he does that is through injecting new life into all of us and then giving gifts as we started to look at last week, and we're going to continue that today as we keep talking about the thought, the giver, Jesus, and the gifted, you and me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7 and 8, but to each one of us, you have your Bibles, but to each one of us, each one of us, you have your big pencil ready, to each one of us, grace was given According to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore it says, and he's quoting Psalm 68, when he ascended, there's the timestamp. when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. There were people bound, 
in a certain type of bondage, and by the grace of God, when he ascended, he broke those bound people free into a new and better kind of bond, bondage or captivity. He led a host of captives captive, and he gave gifts to men. To be more true and technical, he gave gifts to mankind. He gave spiritual gifts to women, too. One of the greatest preachers that's ever lived was Mary Magdalene from whom he cast out seven demons. Before the guys got a little bit of boldness, there was a woman who had an established reputation that wasn't good. God chose her to be the first one to say he is risen. Isn't that interesting? The giver and the gifted. The giver and the gifted. Look at me this way, just a minute. Believing sons and daughters of the king, raise your hand if that's you. A believing son or daughter of the king. You are not what this world says you are. You are what the word says you are. You are not what those negative thoughts from the devil say you are. You are what the Holy Spirit thoughts to your spirit say you are. You have to see yourself to be yourself. And we are whatever we are seeing. We are, so we need to see right. We need to have the right kind of light shining on our eyes of the soul. See yourself and others, child of God, through Holy Spirit light. And see people who believe in Jesus in their heart in the measure of the Father's glorious grace. See yourself that way, in the Son. If you're in the Son, S-O-N, that means you're beloved by the Father. That means you're beloved by Jesus, and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And see yourself as passionately loved by the Holy Spirit, who isn't a force, he's a he. And who, he's the third person of the Godhead, no less God than the Father, no less God than Jesus. And he passionately loves me and you too. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy, Holy Spirit really does love his church more than the Christians do. We are gifted by him. Some of us know it a little bit. Some of us know it a little bit more than a little bit. And some of us don't know it. We are called to build each other up. We've all been brought near to the, to the glorious Father and we've all been brought near to one another. The people sitting around you who are in Christ really are your brothers and sisters. Even in God's eyes, in a deeper bond than your own physical, genealogical brother or sister. We are called to realize that we have been made spiritually alive and the breath of God is on us, whether we feel it or not. The fragrance of the aroma of Christ comes out of our lives around others, whether we know it or not at times, and we stand in the grace of God. Will someone say amen? And that grace has freely been given through the blood payment of the Son of the Most High God, and that's a big thing. To us, grace has been given. So we need to grace others. If we see it, we'll be it, and whatever we see is what will be, and whatever we see is what we'll see on others. So grace others and bring grace to every gathering. 
through spiritual gifts. Whether it's two or three gathered together, whether it's 33, whether it's 333, whether it's 3,333, I'm in the threes for some reason today. We bring, listen, we bring something, listen, I'm right here. We bring something more than ourselves when we gather together. When we get together, Jesus is there. When we get together, the spiritual gifts of God in each one of us are there. Now last week, I broke down a portion of Ephesians 4 through the Greek constructions uh, and, 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 and I summed up verses one, uh, verse 1 and 2 uh, in this way and, and added 7 in. And basically said, it says, therefore, separated by the measure of the grace of God, captured into the liberating freedom as a prisoner of the Lord. I come up alongside you. That's what Paul says. Just like the Holy Spirit has come up alongside on the inside of you, and I urge you all to walk out this life of grace in a manner of its highest worth. So would you pray for me as we turn into this message today? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. And we pray, Lord, that you would just open our eyes to behold marvelous things in this book. And Lord, I know the final meaning of this passage. When we see Jesus, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I know the final fulfillment, but I pray that every time we see him with the eye of faith in the word, and see those marvelous things, that we will become what we see. And we can't do that just through intellectual application. We need continual illumination by the working of your great power in us. I pray you do it today, and all glory goes to you in Jesus' name. Right? How did we become people who are receiving grace according to the measure of the gift of Jesus, and we've become speared and captured into a liberating bondage. Isn't that interesting? A liberating bondage, which is no bondage at all, but a love bond. How did we become that? It all started whenever you truly believed. Turn with me a couple pages back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. I cannot stress enough how, how I would love for you, uh, when you wake up in the morning, open to Ephesians 1, whatever your devotions are, whoever you're reading, whatever, that's fine, I don't care. But I'll tell you what, Paul would be a good devotion uh, leader. And uh, one of the things I've been doing, get up in the morning before I go anywhere else, and I just pray this over myself. And I, I might go in verse 3 and say, Father, I want to thank you that you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ and my kids and my family and my church, and I, on, on I go down through, right? So when you get to verse number 13, this is awesome. It says, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the good news of your salvation, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who, that's a personal pronoun, not a what. Who, the Holy Spirit is a it is a he, not an it. 
who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glorious grace. That's what that means is when you took a step of faith, now look, you took a step of faith when God gave you the gift to have a step of faith. None of us took a step of faith outside of the grace of God giving us the ability to take a step of faith. It's a gift. Nobody can boast that I found Jesus. No, Jesus found you. Right? I mean, last night, the sheep weren't out, going, out wandering going, I'm looking for Jesus. Right? No. He found us. He came looking for us. Right? So when you took a step of faith, which was a gift of faith God gave you to use, at that very moment, you jumped, you stepped, you crossed the line, and you believed the message, and guess what happened at that very moment? Almighty God sent the life-giving spirit into your spirit and made you alive in a way you've never been alive before. Jesus called it born from above, a brand new being. And in that moment, he gave you the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus described as the helper, the friend, the advocate, the teacher. So at that moment, we received all of the Holy Spirit. He didn't come in portions. You didn't get a little bit of him here and a little bit of him there. And then hopefully if you get a certain level of holy, you get a little bit of him there. He gave you the person of the Holy Spirit the moment you believed. Is that what we just read in your Bible? That's right. Dr. Jack Hayford is one of my most uh, beloved pastors. He's one of the generals that's in his 80s now, and, and I pray that God will continue to raise up generals like Dr. Jack Hayford. Here's what he says about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet when the Spirit comes, he is loaded with packages. He desires to release much more in us and through us than we could ever imagine. These gifts are given for delivery, not accumulation. Delivery, not accumulation. I'm a big James Bond fan. I just saw the last one um, with my son and son-in-law. I know there's some other James Bond fans in this room. I remember seeing uh, Goldfinger when I was four years old at the Strand. Any old people here that remember the Strand? Oh, yeah, a couple of, like, four of us well well I, I love everything about James Bond one of the things I love about him the most was that cool Aston Martin DB5 that he rode around in huh that baby was loaded that tech guy named Q uh, he, he put all kinds of gadgets in that Aston Martin all in any movie right and he sees that thing even in the last one now here's the thing about the Aston Martin uh, 1965 uh, DB5. Uh, it's worth right now $6.3 million. And I just want to say, I know that Pastor Appreciation Month goes all the way to the end of October. <laughs> and if the Holy Spirit is moving, uh, as a matter of fact, let's pray and ask him right now, can you? <clears throat> the thing about the ass, right? Eric, I'll come pick you up first. You pray hard. Whoever, <laughs> we'll go get some biscuits and gravy somewhere. The thing about the Aston Martin is James would get in that car and there'd be these little gadgets, you know, you, if, the, if the bad guys were coming, Spectre was after you, you could flip it and fire, flames would come out the back to, you know, burn up the car behind you or, or there was an ejection seat if it really got squirrely and you had to get out of there. You had to get out of Dodge, man. So you hit the button and off you'd go and parachute on the street over. The, after, it, it, it's the Aston Martin that Q made, man. They'd have machine guns, bulletproof. 
I mean, they're shooting missiles at him and he's sitting there going, right? I'm thinking, I want that. I want that. You know, it wouldn't have been foolish if James had all that and you just got in and turned on the radio. Just turned on the radio or the, or the air conditioning. That thing could drive underwater. I forget which James Bond movie, but he's escaping and he just like goes off this bridge into the water. You're thinking, oh man. And he's in that thing, turns into like a little submarine riding across the bottom of the, I'm thinking, I want one of those. Listen, I know that as a, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Holy Spirit in any stretch of imagination. The point I'm making is when God gave us the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just so we could sit in church and learn some stuff from the Bible, understand the Bible better. And just have a little uh, goosebump when we sing Kumbaya around the fire at youth group. Do you realize what we have? Do you realize who we have? I'm going to really date you. How many people remember the show Kojak? Huh? Well, someday we'll let the older people feel welcome in church. I mean, the younger, the younger, the younger. Kojak, the 70s detective show, he'd always say this, who loves you, baby? Remember that? Well, I say it this way, who's in you, baby? Who's in you? Who's in you? Hey, listen, when the Lord put the Holy Spirit in us, we're not riding around in an old busted down Ford held together by duct tape and bumper stickers. We have the anointing of Jesus Christ on us and the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in us, gifting us. And he's called us to release his heart, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control already in us. We've not only been called and and given the, the gift to release his heart, but to release his hand. Because Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll sit around in Bible studies and go, boy, that was nice. No! You're going to Samaria. You're going outside of the cocoon of Jerusalem. We're going all the way to the king's throne. We're going to be so successful in this thing that even those in Caesar's household are going to wink at you when I write from the book of Philippians. Dunamis, power. We are now, listen, Jesus brought the kingdom to earth, did he not? Nicodemus meets him at night because he was afraid he'd get kicked out if they knew he met him. And he said, teacher, we know you are a teacher. We know you're a teacher that's come from God. He was more than that. Because no one could do the Simeon, the God-attested signs that you do unless God was with him. Hey, Nick, God's sitting right in front of you right now as you're asking him the question. He just looks like a carpenter. He just looks like a normal guy. Same when the Sanhedrin look out and see that Peter and John and the guy that was crippled isn't crippled anymore and the three are standing there. The crippled guy's like going, I'm not crippled anymore. I know they stink like worms because they just left the fishing nets, but, and I know they don't look like rabbis and I know they haven't been to the healing conferences. They're just normal guys. But they took note these guys had been with Jesus. And they had the same clothing on them that Jesus had on him. You know who we are? You know who we are? I'm I'm doing this study in my church on the book of 
Ephesians. And you know, I've said to them, the metaphors are, one of the metaphors is the body of Jesus. Huh? Right? You know why Paul prayed that the light would go on? So that we wouldn't just go, oh yeah, we're the body of Jesus. The Greek word for body is, mm, let's go watch the Redskins. Or what, oh, I can't call them that anymore. What's the new rule? What are they called? Oh, the football team. Isn't that the dumbest thing you ever heard of in your life? The football team. I'm not saying we should, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, can we get a little bit more creative than the football team? Sounds like people in church. Anyway, we are now the body of Jesus in exponential manifestation according to God, not according to me or you or how we think. And that scares, that scares the devil to death if we ever grab hold of what that means. He loves us just coming to church and, and talking about why Halloween parties are of the devil and what our views on masks are and how we're passionately trying to change the world on our Facebook posts about who uh, Fauci is and who Gates is. He loves that. But God help his kingdom if we ever get off that stupid stuff. Demonically infested, inspired stuff and actually go, hey buddy, we're the body of Jesus Christ. When we go act like it, what would Jesus do? He would just be kind. Paul is telling us to yield our lives to this building program of God. until we all reach the measure of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? Until we all reach the measure of the fullness of Christ? That's in the new, what does that mean? How do we get there? We get there Starting in Ephesians 4, verse 11. We get, get, Jesus has given gifts to the body of Christ, right? Everybody in the church world that's a believer is gifted. But within the gifted, there are those who are gifts to the gifted. And that's who Paul talks about here in Ephesians 11 and 12. And he gave, past tense, he is Jesus. He gave some as apostles. You with me? Some as prophets. Some as evangelists. Some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. Would you read that with me out loud? And he gave some as apostles. And some as prophets. And some as evangelists. And some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. All right. 
So I don't have time to go into the deep definitions of apostles, prophets, and, and deal with the, the big roadblock in the, that gets in the mind of some of us denominationally, whether that's pa- whether apostles and prophets passed away. Whether We're going to go there in another one, but I'm not going there today. So please, please, please don't go down that road right now. Don't, don't turn this into a, looking up your stuff, going everywhere. Please stay with me on that. Well, I promise you we'll, we'll scratch your itch. I got it. To, I, hey, me too. But listen, here's where I'm going to go. Next slide. Uh, the focus of spirit-led foreign fivers. What does that mean? Uh, in, the, in the Christian culture, charismatic Pentecostal especially, there's this term five-fold ministry. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Raise your hand. The five-fold ministry. If you haven't, raise your hand. Please. Good. I like, you, I like that better because it's less uh, deprogramming than programming. Anyway, the fourfold, fivefold ministry is a terminology. Uh, these guys are called that. The, the apostles are prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the fivefold ministry. Some people say you have to have the fivefold ministry in your church, or uh, someone, there's a sign up there that says nerd alert. That's funny. I guess they're telling me to turn nerd on you. I'm going to nerd you right now. But anyway, uh, but anyway, um, anyway, is it up on there? No, it's not. Yeah, there we are. There we are. There we are. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking this. Anyway, I'm going to quit laughing. I'm going to refer. I'm going to refer to verse 11 and 12 now as the as the as the four and fivers. And what I mean by that is, are are these terminologies: the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. When I say the four and fivers, do you notice that? Well, it's not up there anymore. But but you did you remember reading? It said some, 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 some. You know what some means? That means not everybody. Some, not all. Some, 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 some. All right. What is the focal point of the, of the four and fivers? Um, it says, for the equipping, for the work, for the building up, all right? See the brackets that has the A and the backslash S in front of uh, the equipping? See it over there for in front of the work and in front of the building up. Now look, um, the four and fivers are gifts to the church, right? Not everybody is this. The four and fivers, all of us are called, but they have been guided and gifted to be gifts to the church for, this is in the accusative singular Greek tense. Nerd alert. What that means, in the Greek grammatical construction, when a word is in the accusative, that, that, is, that is pointing at the direct object in the sentence. This is what you want to focus on in the sentence. This is the main point of the sentence. It's accusative. The direct object, goal of the foreign fibers. What the Holy Spirit, if he's leading a foreign fiber correctly, and if they're being led, allowed to be led correctly, they're not off on tangents. They are constantly about equipping, Work, building up, and their work, their work is to work at not any kind of equipping, but the Greek, pro, the, the Greek article in front of the focal point of the accusative singular is the. Ho is the Greek word. I better not. H-O, H-O, okay, just say it. H-O. H-O. If Juju's watching, she's all about Santa. Ho, ho. But this is a different one. This is the, there is the, there is the, are you with me? Is it all right if I do this a little bit? There is the the equipping. 
There is the the work. There is the the building up. And these apostles, prophets, evangelists, the four and, four and fibers, have been gifted and in their calling specifically guided to be about the accusative singular. Singular is the emphasis saying, don't get off this. How many are with me? Don't get off this. Don't go chasing rainbows. What I've called you to do in the church, even if the church doesn't want you to, even if the church says, well, we're not paying you, for, we're paying you to, last time I checked, they're closing more churches than, you know why? You know the song we used to sing, when we all get to heaven, you know it, don't you? What a day of rejoicing that will be, can't wait, can you? Let's get on the bus when we all get the heaven bus. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Do you know what? There are going to be people singing it. The day comes back. And you know what? For the last hundred years, people sitting in a David Letterman show, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, charismatic church, when the man of power for the hour came on and everybody felt the shibababas, and then we all went home. Then we all went home till next week and we said, man, that was a good service. Because it's all about the audience and all about the, the morning and all about the thing. And when we all get to heaven, isn't that going to be great? Our pastor's preaching a 49-week series on the rapture. And I've been on the rapture bus for 50 years. It could happen tonight. It could. But you know what I found? In the Bible, that God, is it all right what God wants? God is committed to this, and then he puts this big word in there, until. Did the Antichrist get ahead of God on this? Are the signs telling us, hey, forget this. Forget this, because Dr. So-and-so, here's the chart. Let me tell you something. Do you see the word until in there? Who is passionately on a mission to get to the until? Let me ask you this. Tell me what age of history of the church since John Calvin and Martin Luther did the church ever get there? Where we are all. Not just the evangelist and the, and the healing guy. And I'm saying all, in all good terms. The real healing guys used by God. The real evangelists like Moody. The real evangelists like Wes. When did we, and all that, thank God for them. When did we ever get past that, the guys, the domatas, which is the word for, some, for he gave some, and he names them. When did we ever get past that so that the church world, you, you, all of us are rhythmically, harmonically, systematically functioning in the full measure of the status of Jesus Christ. Please show me where that is. Not to interrupt our trip to the rapture bus, but when did that ever happen? And let me ask you this. If we ever, and we're not going to, we're not going to get there by praying about it. 
We're going to get there by every one of us moving in that direction. Now, are you telling me when we get there, the Lord's going to go, finally, they're there. We better rapture them out of here because they'll lose this in five seconds. So let's get them out of here. They made it. We're out of here. Look what God's doing in the world, and he is doing amazing things in the world through have, 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 uh, uh, people that are in uh, church lingo. Don't you call it Stephen Verdict's church? Hmm? Do you know anyone else that goes there? You people call this Tim McGregor's church. I mean, I've had people come up to me in the, in the mall, I used, you know, that place we all used to go to, and they say, hey, hey, I just want you to know, like it's a compliment, you know, where we have to do this thing at our church, but we'd really like to come to your church. That doesn't get me high. It makes me sad. Dude, don't, my church, you ought to see what God can do through me. We wouldn't, we, 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 I'd ruin it in, in, a, in a month without the grace of God flowing through my, you, you, anybody hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm not saying? The focus of spirit-led five and four and fivers is to be about the equipping. I'm not going to finish this in case you guys are having a heart attack out there. I'm not going to finish this because I'm, sta- I'm, I'm just going to stand on this. When we all get to heaven, when that happens, there, there could be a majority of churches that have never gotten past. Jimmy Swaggart's the best preacher i ever heard. Tim McGregor's the sort of good preacher. I've, I'm glad he's, well, at least he's better than what we used to that's not my goal. That's not my goal. I have another verse for that song. When we all get to growing, what a day of rejoicing that will be for Jesus. When they all see Jesus, he'll move and set the people free. Wouldn't that be interesting? I'm here all week. I got many songs. (laughs) Just going to say a couple more things because I don't have time. Someone asked me, what's your main theme? What's your main, uh, it was a good question. What's your main theme of your message this week? And I wanted to say, uh, go home and and read the lyrics to... uh, uh, it's not. It's it's all right, Mom. I'm only bleeding by Bob Dylan. And tell me what the main theme of that song is, because it's, I, I I can't I can't do that. I don't even know what the main theme is right now. I'm just I'm under the the fountain of Niagara Falls with a Dixie cup, trying to explain what I'm trying to catch. But here's what I know. With all of the good stuff in all of our lives. We have to, we have to do this as four and fivers. And let me just break it down just a little bit more. The equipping. The equipping. What is the equipping? 
ho karatismos. Karatismos is the word in the Gospels when Jesus comes upon men on the shore of the Galilee, they are karatismosing their nets. Who are these men? What was their, what was their uh, employment? What did they do? Fishermen, right? And they were karatismoing their, their, their nets. They were mending them. Why did they need to mend them? Because they didn't want to catch fish and have the fish fall through the cracks, right, of the net. They wanted to make sure the nets were solid, secure, so they could catch. This was their livelihood. And that's the same word. So mending is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the calling and focus of the four and fivers. So their ministry should be mending people, not fixing people. Mending which means to, to present the words of, of Scripture in a manner, because the way you pastor is through preaching. Mending. It also, it also has, has a meaning to set right. It doesn't mean we find verses over things that we're upset about in the world and do proof-texting sermons and setting people right every week. This terminology for setting right is, is used for if I would break my arm and go to the hospital, they would set the bone and secure it in a manner so it would grow back to its natural function. All right, karatismos. For the equipping, mending, setting right, setting in place, the who? What's your Bible say? The saints, right? Hagios is the word. You can write that down in your Bible if you want to. Hagios, it's the word, to the saints in Ephesus. We use, the, we think of the word saint, we think uh, Saint Ambrose or, or Saint Thomas Aquinas or, or, or Saint uh, whoever. But you know, uh, it's, it's actually, it's Saint Ryan. Hey Ryan, that's your, right? Look, he's got, even got the saintly necklace on, it's glowing. Saint Ryan, Saint Trey. I saw Saint Trey catch a humongous fish this week. Humongous, right? Saint Oliver. Saint any of you. Saint all y'all, if you're in Jesus. It's the word hagios. You know, when you think of saint, you think, you know, in, 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 right, to just show us how our brains, we've been cultured. When you think of saint, if you're raised in the Catholic church, right, God bless the Catholics, you think of certain select, whole, really holy people, right, and you think of saint, right? Uh, or you think, have you ever said you know, about your grandmother or your mom or whatever, oh man, she's a saint, right? In other words, there are these people and then there's the others, and that's true, right? Have you ever met some people that have it going on better than other people? Have you ever met people that are Christians and some have it going on better than other people? Have you ever met people that are Christians? The only thing Christian about them is the they have faith. God love them, but that you know. But you're not wanting them to teach your life group necessarily, right? Or take them to Thanksgiving dinner. Yet. The word hagios, before it became Christianized, when you used the word hagios, say for instance in Ephesus, they would go, oh yeah, those people that go to the temple of the goddess Diana and throw themselves on the altar believing that they're going to get possessed with a spirit. That's what hagios means in its technical meaning in that culture. So when Paul uses the word hagios, 
and the Ephesians are reading, they're like, the Hagias in Christ, he is making a huge statement. He's like, you know how all the people in the world are, are self-possessed or possessed by the spirit of the age? And you know what's been happening in Ephesus for all these years? You know, and, and how it's just depraved and all that? Listen, there's a different kind of Hagias. You get in Christ... And he will get you walking in the real world, the right way, the real way, and he will elevate your life and fill you with an anointing that will make you super natural, not weird. And out of your life will, th- will flow things like sexual wholeness and peace of mind and kindness. And, hmm? So the four and five verse are to preach the message in such a way that all these people that have been encultured and captured by the spirit of the age will then be set right in the binding liberation of God's word in Christ. Are you with me? That's their job. That's their calling. That's their anointing. For the work, do you know what the work is? It's called the work. Here we are. This is the one right here. This is the watershed. How many have, can just give me, are you bored yet? Raise your hand if you're bored. I can't tell by your looks. It would be great if I saw you going. For the work of, here we go, ready? The ministry. The ministry. You know what the word is in the Greek for ministry? Diakonos. The diakonos. It's where we get the word deacon from. So in, in the modern church, I don't care what denomination, the pastor, I mean, it's radical to have a staff of pastors. The pastor or the pastoral staff and the deacons or the board or the committee or whatever. I noticed the word committee and board is not in the New Testament. It's not there. The diakonos is in the general. And you know who God thinks are the diakonos? All of us. It is the word servant. It means that the the four and fivers are to minister through the grace of God in a way that they set in place the hagios who have really said all to Jesus, I surrender. That in their natural giftedness, in their natural giftedness, as the, as, 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 as the word of God's being taught in, in this circle and in smaller circles and life groups, etc., the goal of the instruction is love that comes out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. And it is, it is supernaturally becoming manifested and seen, not so much in yourself, but in others around you who see what God's doing in your life. Okay? So this is the role. This is what we're to do. But here's the thing. We have, we, hey, Johnny's called in the ministry. My son Tim was called into the ministry. That's how I said it about me. I answered an altar call uh, one time or many times. Uh, if you're answering the call to, ready, full-time ministry. Have you ever heard that phrase? Full-time, guess what? When you ask Jesus into your heart because your behind was on fire and you needed help, that's usually how we all came in, right? We didn't all just wake up one day all righteous and smart and go, you know what? By golly, I'm so smart, I believe I'm just going to add Jesus Christ to this uh, little thing called life. No, we were all a mess, weren't we? If we weren't a mess, we wouldn't have thought of him. We were like, I need a savior. 
And so when we signed up for him to save us, without our permission, he signed us up for ministry. Sneaky guy. You've been bought with a price. And you're not your own. Right? So not only does he want to get you, Jonah, out of the whale's belly, he wants to spit you up on the shore and get you going where he's wanted you to go from the day you were born, like me, and someone stepped in and got me off course. Gets me on course, gets me under the word in a church, under the word in the church. I notice nobody's shouting and dancing and we're not going, man, I feel it, I feel it. We're not. I'm just boringly instructing you about why for the last hundred years we're not really reaching the kind of people that the book of Acts reached. Is that okay? Just for a couple more minutes and we'll be done. Then we can get back to life. We're all called the ministry. But we're not all called the same thing. My son... And my, gr- and my grandson, my son's son, my son and my grandson, you can already tell, and I could tell this from in Devin's life at, at Graham's age. It was funny today because uh, he was up here with me and, and daddy, was, daddy was playing. And he, he kept trying to get up here. And uh, it reminded me of being at Warrior Drive a long time ago when on a Sunday night our band was up here. And we had a blues, rhythm blues guitar player, one of the best in the city. Billy Dentinger, and, uh, and he's jamming along, and I see Devin go from the, a back, one of the back rows with his mom and his sister, and he moves up about four rows, he moves another four rows, looking around, see everybody's paying attention, I'm paying attention, I'm watching him do it. And next thing you know, he comes up and he's standing, the band's playing, everybody's singing, my son, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years old, he's standing there looking around, all of a sudden he reaches his pocket, he pulls out a harmonica. And all of a sudden, while there, he's like, well, today, Graham walks up here, and I saw him going, and I looked over, and he goes, play saxophone. Nobody put that in him. That's just his natural bent. So you have a natural bent. You have gifts. And, and the role of the ministry from, from preaching the word is to bring you not to a place where you become something that the church needs you to be. It's to get you to an awareness of the thing that's already been placed in you when the Spirit gave birth to your life. Where you just become aware, this is who I am. Right? This is who I am. That's, that's what this thing's about. And ministry is all of us. Imagine all of us realizing we're all body temples of the living Christ, wherever we are, seeing ourselves as an aroma, as a fragrance of the Lord, wherever we are. And even when we don't feel it, even when we don't feel it, God is working around us and we don't even necessarily know it. Not everybody gets to be the person that says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Somebody got that guy to the beautiful gate. 
Somebody had ministered and made that woman aware of something about God where she at least was at a point on the mountain of Samaria in the well where she, was, she at least was being bothered about where is the right church that you're supposed to worship? At least she was at that point. Five-time marriage shipwreck and the guy she was with wasn't her husband, right? She's in that, but she's got this thing going on. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. I don't know if it counts if I worship up here at the rock or the well. I don't know if I have to go there. They don't want me there because I'm not holy enough. What do I do, right? Someone had put that in her at least at that point, influenced her to that level. So when Jesus just goes, and she comes in, they're like, and she off she goes. And remember what he says? Hey, you guys, you're worried whether or not I had something to eat. Right? Because that, isn't that pretty much the, the, the main passion of all of us? Right? Did you eat yet? He says, I've already eaten. I've, I've already eaten. And then he says, look out on the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even right now, they're ripe for harvest. Even in our town, they're ripe for harvest. Even though churches are closing, there are people that have never been to church that could be the greatest church influencers that, um, that Cumberland area has ever known within the next two, three, five years. Are you the last family that God wanted to reach? I know people out here right now that God has touched and reached and completely turned the course of the destiny of their family line, and they're the first ones. And you might not be where everybody wants you to be, but something's happened in you that didn't happen in your uncle, didn't happen in your grandpa, didn't happen in anybody down through the line, and it happened to you. When I preached one of my uncle's funerals from this pulpit, this place was packed. There were more people in here that didn't know God and more people in here than they're in here right now. And I got up, and I said to all these guys that are pub frequenters and every other thing, and I said, I'm here to tell you to prove that God is real. Because I'm not only the pastor of this church, I'm the nephew of, and I have apple blood in me, and I've been, I'm, I'm a preacher of the gospel. So that proves that God is real. I had those guys in the palm of my hand from that moment on. And just went. Yeah. We go out there, living temples, living temples, believing what the word says about yourself, that you are holy and blameless in his sight, that you are adopted as a son and daughter of the most high God according to the kind intention of his will that he has forgiven you of all your sins so much so that Paul uses the word lavish means that the forgiveness, he paints a picture, lavish means a downpour of rain. That's how God, that's how forgiven you are of your sins, right? And, and before you were born, he brought you into a place of destiny where you will live out a life for the glory of God. You might not see it. You might not say glory to God, but the way God has passionately planned is for you to be brought back into a place where you can Tom Brady your gift, your life. I'm serious. But I don't know whether Tom Brady would have been all that Tom Brady could be 
if he wouldn't have played for Belichick. Hmm? I'm not sure. Probably not. You know, there's some really good quarterbacks in the NFL, and they play for, like, the Jets and the Lions and uh, the Bears. I'm not saying it. Let's say this. There are teams like my Steelers who are living in the glory days of the 70s. And here's the thing about the Steelers. When people come in to play them now, they're not intimidated anymore because they know that Mean Joe Green's not on the other side of the line and Franco Harris isn't running the ball. And Noel isn't quarterback, or isn't coach. And Bradshaw isn't quarterback. And Lynn Swan's not a wide receiver. So they're not going, oh, here you go? No, here we go. Watch this, right? Cincinnati Bengals fan down here in the front row with a big smile on your face. Not everything stays the way because you can shift the focus of what got you the rings. You have to be under someone that knows how to get the rings. And then no matter how great you are, you have to come under the four and fivers. And I'm going to end my message right there because We got a lot to cover. Do you have time to get into the book of Ephesians? What I'd like you to do today is what I want to do for me. I'm going to put this piece of gum in my mouth lest if I pray for somebody and they fall on the floor, it won't be because there's power. (laughs) It'll be because I've talked too long and had too much coffee and they'll just go, bonk. Now if they fall, it'll be because of the power. Hagias. When, when God fills us with the Holy Spirit, and that is, there is one baptism, many fillings. When God fills people with the Holy Spirit, or, or when God saves people, different people, some people stand there, or wherever they are, and they pray a prayer, and they don't feel anything. It's like when you go get an x-ray, right? Have you ever, when they brought out that big heavy lead thing to put on you, you said, oh, look, look, I I don't need that. If that was real, I'd feel it. So I don't need it. Dude, they're shooting radiation into you, right? I have never had an x-ray where they turned that thing on and went, ow, oh, gosh, right? Have you? I didn't feel it. But then they walk out and they go, here you are. There are some people that when they receive Christ, they don't know. I mean, they, they really prayed, they really meant it, but they're, they're like, I, I, that, was, that was total faith, man. And you know what? It's crazy. And then there's other people that they start weeping and breaking and, and, and like it's a gully wash moment. I had a dynamic like that, and I have to be aware sometimes when I preach that way, uh, I, I, it's just the way it was, but you know what? That's a great thing for me, but I can't measure every other thing that happens in my life based off that because nothing can ever match that. And if I only preach that, that that's the way you legitimately know you're converted, 
that you have to have a gully wash and you shook and you this and that, which that happened to me. I didn't, I'm not that kind of person. That happened to me. My point is, is when we ask people in our church, are we okay? Are we okay if someone relieves and goes, you know what, I just got to go tell everybody. We're okay with that, aren't we? Are we okay with the person that goes, man, that was awesome. Amen, I'm a Christian. Where do I sign up for life? Are we okay with snot running, shrieking, crying out when God shines the light on someone that's been verbally, maybe sexually, physically abused for 15 years and God creates a moment for them to be set free and the way they get free is not pretty? Raise your hand if you'd be okay with the Holy Spirit doing that in our church. You know, he asks us permission sometimes. I said all that to say, when we talk about Holy Spirit filled this and that, and I'm going to go there. Guys, in weeks to come, I'm going to go there, talking about spirit manifestations, tongues, baptisms, all that. But I'm not wanting to go somewhere. point I'm making is, when I talk about hagios and us being possessed with the spirit of Jesus Christ, regardless of, you know, we've all come from different places, right? Have you ever heard the term, uh, what do they call it, holy rollers and uh, all these things? I, I've never ever seen one. Swinging from the chandeliers, that's why our lights are high, you can't reach them. We're not into, we're not into stuff. I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm not, I want God to do whatever. He's the surgeon, he's the deliverer, He's the healer. He's the savior. We're just conduits, right? We all are called to hagios our lives before the altars of Jesus Christ. To come before him and say, not possess me like my head spins around. Not get all weird and wacky for the sake of weird and wacky and wild. Nothing like that. But this, Lord... I know that when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came into my life. But here's what I also know when I got saved. I got all of you, but you didn't get all of me. As a matter of fact, in my life, I know that there are times that I still, when it comes down to it, I grab me. I grab me. And some of us grab me when it comes to how far you're going to go out in your servanthood how far you're going to go out in your financial support, how far you're going to go out in your, uh, in your coming together in the community of faith, all those things. And we can, we, can, we can have all the reasons why. But the picture I want, you, I want to leave you with is this, that there were some people so, so hungry for some experience that that's not what we're about, but that they threw their lives into a, de- into a demonic culture asking for something outside of what this world is to fill their life. The church has what that is. It's Jesus. And what this world needs to see is the true hagios of our lives. Not what we do here. Not how deeply we sing when we sing a song. But on Thursday and Tuesday night, wherever we are in a non-religious setting, on the inside we're like this my life is yours spirit of the living God flow through my life
Can that be our prayer today? Can that be our prayer today? God wants to Tom Brady your gifts where you got five's the number of grace. You got five rings. Would you stand please? Or maybe you want to kneel. Whatever you want to do, you want to come to the altar. What time is it? Hagias. 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 They would seek an oracle, a living word from the, the priestess or the priest at the temple of, of Diana. A word from God or heaven or whatever to them. In the year that somebody that Isaiah had his eyes on died, he's in the temple. And he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And I realized that I was a man of unclean lips and I dwelt among the midst of people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the king. King Uzziah died. I wouldn't look at him anymore. I saw the king of kings. And he sent an angel and touched my lips. He said, look, 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 look closely. Your sin is taken away. And he said, then he heard. Then he heard, who will go for us? Who will go for us? And the natural response of the Hagios is here am I send me the Holy Spirit is very powerfully moving right now in this church I pray oh Lord that freshly you would stamp the idea of Hagias upon the souls of every person here it's not about some kind of culture or some kind of morality standard that fits a denominational distinctive and perspective. It's about being completely submerged and immersed in the presence of Jesus. And I pray on every person in Jesus' name.